Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. going great i am here uh recording with my wonderful mountain dog in tow he, as you can like so so brandon can actually see it <laughs> yeah directly to the the mound of black lab that is behind me that is sleeping on his bed if you hear any kind of weird groaning during the middle of this it's probably coming from him and i say probably i can't promise anything so <laughs> well we uh, are, how are you doing brandon uh pretty good pretty good but uh yeah i will say we are only getting older so groaning can occur <laughs> yeah exactly uh if uh if i stretch in any kind of particular way you can expect groaning but uh we're getting closer to christmas we're very close we're within spitting distance so what have you been doing to get ready that's right yeah um yesterday i've finally started doing some Christmas shopping, um, which is better than usual. I, I think in the past, I've definitely been known to procrastinate until the week before. Um, so two weeks before, uh, or at least two and a half weeks before is definitely uh, an improvement for myself. But yeah, I went out and uh, picked up a few items for, you know, Christmas really becomes all about like the kids at this point. Um, I don't have any of my own, but, uh, you know, having several nephews and, and nieces it's uh it, it gets a little crazy so uh yeah i have like six total that uh i'm shopping for um you know two of which are, are still babies at this point but you know it's pretty easy because i have my cheat sheet of uh hitting up my sisters and doing it ahead of time i i realize is a lot easier than doing it at the uh last minute because uh my parents might end up uh buying something that i end up getting and and then then you have that awkward situation of, oh, we both bought the same gift, and then uh, they're going to have to have the fun task of exchanging it for something else. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so I did a little bit of that uh, yesterday and some running around, and uh, which is the the traffic of people in the stores and in the malls isn't as bad just yet, but uh, it's yeah. It's picking up, yeah. Be, yeah, exactly. How about you? No, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the the entire experience this year is very different. So I'm going to go to the girlfriend's house for Christmas this year. We kind of do the back and forth on the holiday thing. Uh, it's worked well so far, but we're going to go uh, all the way to where she's from to to go you know, celebrate Christmas with her family. That is not... Uh, something that I mentally processed correctly early on. I didn't think to myself, wait, instead of having like three people to get gifts for, now I have like 
10. So my usual, uh, you know, go to procrastination mode of buying gifts or people is really starting to bite me in the ass. <laughs> and, uh, I, <laughs> I thankfully, thanks to her and her experience in doing this, uh, all the time, she is, uh, marshalling this process forward, but it's not, uh, not without its challenges. I think, um, I think things have changed a lot. She actually brought this up the other day or it's like kind of, if you want, if you want something and you're, you're someone who has any kind of disposable income, a lot of like nine times out of 10. Now you just go on Amazon and you buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, uh, you're like in a, you're in a store and you're like, that's ah, on sale. You know, like, I think I'll buy that today. And, and I think that it used to be a lot different in the fact that if you were like, ah, you know what? I think I'm going to ask for this for Christmas, you know, like it, like in like January of that year, you were like, I think I can wait it out. Right. But now I can get everything with the click of a button. So it's a lot harder to kind of hold out and be like, ah, you know, I think I can, I can, I think I can wait a year to get this thing kind of deal. And uh, especially with the speed of technology moving and stuff like that. Um, Lord, I mean, everything that you ever buy in technology is already outdated. So it's, yeah, if me, it's, it's always been kind of a, uh, early on, it was kind of a sit and wait kind of deal. Um, now it's Amazoning all the things. I think uh, early on, um, my parents had a, a couple of really good years with work and uh, I was surprised with a Nintendo 64 <laughs> and I cannot imagine the absolute hell that they had to go through to get that the year it came out i mean wasn't wasn't shopping during christmas i mean it's still bad right like yeah everybody decides that their iq drops 30 points and they get on the highway and they can't drive worth a shit they pack the stores they you know complain and fight over everything and then you know it's still bad today I can't imagine how bad that really used to be like the tickle me Elmo days. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, how many elbows were thrown to get a tickle me Elmo? How upsetting is that, that that actually had to happen. And, and so, yes, I, I know that when my parents, uh, you know, went and got the high, uh, the high impact item for that year, back in the day that, you know, required them to call around to different stores using a phone book. Right. And, you know, figuring out their inventory that way, because having online inventory didn't really happen back then. And then, you know, finding the place that had it for a reasonable price and then waiting in line for six hours to beat the hell out of somebody for an N64. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I think things are a lot different now. I mean, things get things get crammed at the very end of the season, obviously. Like Amazon can't deliver stuff next day, like on Christmas Day. Like I, I just don't think that really is something you can bet on. Um, at least not until drones start, you know, dumping gifts at your porch. Which wouldn't that be like a real piece of shit move to just be <laughs> like Merry Christmas, like your gift should be here by ten AM. You know, right. Like that. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been real interesting. Uh, I've really had to recalibrate as far as how I buy presents and where I buy presents and when I buy presents. So it's, uh, it's been a big challenge this year, but we're going to get it done. I have faith, um, especially with mountain girlfriend marshalling things forward. Of course we got mountain dogs, some gifts too, because like that dog doesn't have enough toys, but, uh, you know, you, you've seen the house, like, yeah, you know, the, the like that pickle. You, yeah the the pickle yeah there's a there's a new new one he got from now girlfriend's boss called uh the santa pickle because it is literally a pickle that's about four feet long uh like a stuffed pickle and it's got a santa hat on it right and of course it's adorable and uh it's also like if you get a toy for a dog that lasts more than like what you would like amount to a dollar a day Right. That's a pretty good get, especially for this dog. Um, part of the fun that he gets out of stuffed toys is disemboweling them. <laughs> so he will he will go and he will find like all the stuffing and then he'll look at you so proud when it has been like destroyed, you know, <laughs> all across the ground. Be like, look what I did. And I'm like, OK, oh, all right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. He's ridiculous. Um, I was thinking of getting I was thinking of treating myself this year uh-huh. to more memory on my PC. Okay. And I looked at my motherboard and I figured out exactly how much of what kind I could take and everything like that. Cause that's part of the process, right? You have to know your machine's capabilities, especially when you did like I did and you went off the shelf. And uh, now I'm starting to ask, I want to go like mad scientist, right? Like I want to buy like the most memory I possibly can for my machine. And I, I also feel like that's kind of a, a really dumbass move. Like it could be a huge waste of money. I want to hear what your take is on this, right? I, I was I was looking at doing like 64 gig of memory on my machine. And then it was just because it simply could take it, not because I was actually going to need it. Yeah. And I mean, like, what what do you think? But like, what are the actual usage cases for something like that kind of memory? Like high end video editing and like high end gaming? Is that it? Yeah, that's well, I would say high end video editing uh, for sure, as well as you know, if you're going to some main production server and it's it's calculating all these different tasks and things of that nature. I mean, that's also part of it. But the thing is to think about like when it comes to gaming and everything, I mean, the, the main things you really need are, you know, one, uh, a really beefy, uh, graphics card. And so those things are becoming like, you know, triple stack burgers now in terms of how, how big they are. Yeah. They're uh, massive. Yeah. They're massive and they cost a lot of money. The newer ones are at least over a thousand dollars. I mean, I remember right. when I got my 1080 TI from EVGA, when that came out, that was like 750 and that was like almost unheard of. And the uh, it, it's just it keeps going up. But as long as you have that and you have a really, really badass processor that can handle a lot of things, when it comes to RAM, it, it really doesn't matter in terms of having more than 16 gigs. Now, it depends on who you talk to. Like, right. there's some there's some people that, um, you know, like if you watch Jace Two Cents or somebody like that on, on YouTube, like they just will not do anything less than having uh, four sticks of Ram, you know, and, right. And getting to that 16 gig or, or the, uh, 32 gig mark. 
Um, right. I myself have 16 gigs of RAM, and I believe it's uh, 3,000 megahertz, uh, uh, the way it's uh, set up for DDR4. And, right. and that's more than enough for me. I mean, if I'm doing some heavy gaming, like playing Red Dead 2, playing on ultra settings, and I go back and check, you know, I, I'm monitoring uh, the RAM usage. It's, you know, with that, if I'm having something else ring in the background, sure, I could probably get up to using 50%, 40% probably on average of uh, the RAM that I have, but I'm not getting anywhere close to capping it. Right. So, you know, if your motherboard can handle the 64 gigs and you want to spend the money on that, I mean, <laughs> go right ahead. But uh, but there really isn't a case to where you really need it unless you're doing like a lot of heavy duty stuff like like game design, like you're creating a game, to, you know, yourself using um, all the tools and programs that. Right. I have like require. a bunch of virtual machines open, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like if you're doing a bunch of stuff like 3D printing on the side while doing bunch of other engineering things and then video editing all at the same time then yeah you'll probably need that you'll probably need you know one of the the most badass uh processors out there and and i would probably recommend amd for that um if you're doing that many tasks but when it comes to gaming you know amd is really good but intel has always been known to be the one to get in terms of performance for gaming so but at the same time like amd is really starting to blow intel out of the water in terms of everything they're releasing and right. also, too, it's cheaper. So, you know, it, but uh, going back to the RAM, yeah, you know, it's like uh, whatever you, you know, whatever floats your boat, go for it. But I would say that as far as like, you know, the recommended, you know, kind of like middle of the, the road, I would I would recommend 16 gigs. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm at right now. So that's like kind of a, hey, I have two more slots on my motherboard. I think right. Just I do, nuts. too. Yeah. I've thought about yeah. it as well. <laughs> This doesn't need to happen. Uh, and also, if you're looking to upgrade your PC out there and you're listening, the the other things you have to consider are things like what kind of windows you're running. Because if it's 32-bit, then you're pretty much sunk on that end. And then, uh, obviously, your motherboard's room that you have on there, you're looking at an M.2, M uh, you know, like uh, solid-state hard drive and things like that. I think that's really badass. But, you know, that we were talking about, you have to make sure you've got some, some headspace in there to be able to run it. Yeah, it so, all depends on the motherboard you have, right? Like if you have a, yep. uh, what do they call it, an MATX, which is like a micro, it's like a smaller motherboard for the smaller yeah. cases, then yeah, that's going to be trickier. But, uh, you know, for those of us that kind of have like the, the regular size, I mean, yeah, it, it really comes down to how big your video card is and the placement, you know, where the slot is. Usually the slot for M.2 is below, um, far below where... Uh, the graphics card is so yeah that's right. something i've been thinking about myself but it's kind of like it would be nice to have but it's it's just it's still more expensive than getting a solid state drive like a regular ssd that uh you know internal um getting like two terabytes is going to be cheaper than say trying to find two terabytes of a nvme or otherwise known as m.2 um right. so that's kind of the deal it's kind of like do i really need that extra speed and you know, of course, if you're trying to future-proof your your case and your machine, the answer is yes. But it's like, well, what am I going to be using it for? You know? Yeah, it's it's like hot rodding. You know, it's it's kind of like you know going out and buying a Lamborghini and then never driving it above the speed limit, kind of thing. Like, right? You know, what are you going to do? But uh, speaking of memory and dumb things, uh, Xbox Series X just released their 
initial specs, it looks like they're going to be stacking as much crap as possible into what looks like some kind of rectangular prism. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I'm glad that they're coming out with it. I think their naming scheme is like effed beyond belief. But, uh, you know, because there was the 360 and then there was the Xbox One, which mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that sounds criminally <laughs> wrong to do uh to do to a naming convention go from 360 all the way back to one and then uh and then it was one x which is a really stupid like play on the xbox one anyway like and then uh and then now the xbox series x which of course i would hope is kind of them searching for more room to do stuff with its name because if you do anything that says series and then X and then you stop at the same place that you started. I feel like you've made a, a really big mistake, but, uh, I'm waiting for the, yeah. uh, the series box. I want to, I want to see the Xbox box, the Xbox box, yeah. oh, Xbox box. I squared. want it to look like a cardboard box, but it really isn't cardboard. And on the inside is all the guts. I think, uh, I think Nintendo, uh, beat you there with their, uh, Labo. Yeah stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> but anyway i i thought that was worth noting uh there's not a, a huge amount of information there of course it was announced at the uh the gaming awards recently i think too much fanfare um basically just showing off all the things it can do without actually showing you anything which is exactly what a tech demo does so uh speaking of new things what does kfc have for us this year yeah so Walmart was selling this, and I don't know where else it's being sold, but it's it's selling out at places. But KFC has basically, I don't know who they teamed up with to create this product, but it's called the KFC Fire Log. <laughs> so this is basically like a starter log you'd put in your fireplace, and it's Colonel Sanders' uh, 11 ingredients uh, that you usually get in this recipe. And whenever you start this fire log, you smell mashed potatoes and chicken and all this stuff uh, coming from your fireplace. I really don't know uh, how effective that's going to be. And, and uh, you know, maybe it smells good at the beginning, but how about the tail end of it? I don't know. Um, then it, turn, then it <laughs> turns into smell, burnt It smells chicken. like you set a bunch of food on fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this was, uh, it was Envirolog was the company that uh, produced this. It's got, it's got some pretty funny stuff on the website as KFC is known to do with their marketing um, burns up to three hours. Uh, it says store in a dry place away from children and pets, because those two things are too dumb to know. It's not food <laughs> um, may attract bears or hungry neighbors. LOL. Don't put face directly near the fire to smell fried chicken. Come to a restaurant for that. That's literally from their website. Wow. Um, and on the box, it says uh, fire log made from 100% recycled wax cardboard, which sounds incredibly edible <laughs> and not actually fried chicken, which uh, good to know. Well good done. Know. Yeah. Well done, KSC. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is available only at Walmart accordingly or according to their website. I hope they have and, a warning uh, that says uh, don't put in your oven. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, try not to microwave it. Um, don't eat it like it is a Reese's Nutrageous. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It that it, I don't know. Like that. Like you said, that whole idea. Like how how long 
how fun is that? And then you have to wait three hours for it to to burn out or you have to like douse it. Right. Right. So you have to have an exit strategy on the KFC log, I feel like. Because if you don't feel like smelling 11 herbs and spices for the next three hours, you have to do something. Yep. Anyway, that's gross. Um, I will probably pass on that, but you know what? I'm sure that it will be a fun gag gift for a lot of people. That's probably what, isn't that the market, right? Like, isn't it like the white, the, uh, white elephant secret Santa? Yeah. I feel like that that's right up there and they're just having fun. So, you know, good for them. And I guess it's working because it's selling out at Walmart. So who else is going to buy it? But, uh, the patrons of Walmart. Yes. Yes. I can, I can add myself to that list at some point, probably the the idea, uh, the, the idea of this, have you ever, have you ever heard of secret Santa referred to as dirty Santa? No. Somebody dropped that, uh, the other day and I looked at him like, uh, that sounds kind of porny. I don't know what exactly you're going for right now, but, uh, but yeah, apparently it's a real thing. If you look it up, and I, don't, I wouldn't recommend doing like a, a safe search off like image search kind of thing on that. But mm-hmm. if you want to actually, you know, type in specifically, is Dirty Santa the same as White Elephant? That's probably your safest bet. Yeah. Uh, don't don't fire from the hip. Don't type in Dirty Santa and click go. <laughs> uh, that's probably not the, the correct move. Um, also, speaking of uh, what the F... Uh, what uh? What did Josh Brolin do to his nether regions a couple weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about this. I I wanted to talk about this so bad, um, because nothing is more newsworthy than uh than Josh Brolin's nether regions. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we wanted to talk about this last episode. Uh, Steve Colbert has a segment uh that's called uh I think this, I think mean, this meanwhile. Was, yeah, I think this was during meanwhile, and so he brought up that. Josh Brolin tweeted about this and it was uh of course it was just filled with F bombs and and uh he was talking about this new fad uh that basically if you uh you know try to suntan or or you know lay out or whatever the uh region below your crotch but uh just above your you know I guess between your anus and your crotch <laughs> that it, you're supposed to gain some sort of uh advantage or or i don't know it's supposed to boost uh certain things in your body and and neurologically you know i guess keep you more in tune to certain you know frequencies i don't know so apparently josh brolin attempted this and ended up uh burning himself so yes that's right jo- yeah. josh that's a taint brandon yeah brandon that's a taint that is what's called the taint so he sunburned and, uh, his taint he sunburned his taint um and that was but but that was the that was the fad. It was called per, perineum sunning, um, which I think is the scientific word for taint. Uh, and that was, uh, yeah, supposedly all of the the incredible energy and like wonderful health benefits that you get from sunning the part of your body that is usually hidden from sun. Um, congratulations, Thanos, for you know burning your your butthole so much like uh thanos was just like icarus where he flew too high to the sun and then got burnt <laughs> exactly <laughs> well brandon you know who doesn't have a burned butthole who's that audible 
Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM forward slash SLM. I can't speak today and get started now. I think I'm going to be getting a, a phone call from, from Justin. Yeah. From that transition. I think, I think probably. audible like that. Um, you know, do you think, do you think audible, uh, yeah, for the record, audible did not try to suntan their taint. They just offer top end audiobook content. Yeah. Yeah. So, Let's talk Mandalorian. Let's do it. I uh, I was in love with this, but for all of the dumb reasons that children that watch this show, like people with child's minds would enjoy, like the cameo-rich environment of any TV series. Um, it, it was full of a bunch of crazy, like Easter eggy crap that I shouldn't really get into, but of course because I'm just a geek like that. You know, the first thing I saw was like, oh my God, that's Mark Boone Jr. from, you know, Sons of Anarchy. Oh my God, that's Bill Burr of every Bill Burr comedian special that you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, oh my God, that's Clancy Brown, who just happened to be the bad guy in Highlander, um, which, again, great Christmas movie. Has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's a good Christmas movie. Um. Yeah, there was just so much. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't. I, I I almost forgot. Um, the robot, the droid, in this one, in this episode, was actually. I'm gonna butcher this name. Is it Richard Iodi? Yeah. Um, yeah. He. Uh, so Richard Iodi was in. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen the show, uh, IT Crowd is. Oh, yeah. uh, it's it's like an old laugh track uh, BBC show, but uh, it get past like two episodes of it. If you can push through the laugh track, it's probably one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Yeah. If you like uh, listeners out there, if you, if you're into flight of the concords, uh, when that was on, I would say you would really, really love this. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, uh, the fact that Bill Burr didn't suck as an actor pleased me. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of went into this expecting, for Bill Burr to be the worst part of this episode. And he really surprised me with what he could do. They didn't try to like, you know, pull him in any crazy direction as far as what, what his role was or anything, right? They didn't try to make him do something that he couldn't do. Uh, they put him in a role that, that he could really, you know, flesh out. It was, it was pretty two dimensional at, at times, but he had a lot of fun with it and you could tell that he was really getting into the whole, the whole role in general. Um, he enjoyed playing a bad guy, you know, all these people did. And, uh, and I really enjoyed watching him do it. So uh, what, what did you think about this episode in general, aside from the 4,000 cameos that were made? <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, and that was the biggest shock for me was like Bill Burr and I had no idea he was going to be on this, but uh, yeah, I thought everybody did a good job. Um, Generally speaking, the the storyline, you know, where 
uh, Mando meets up with with all these guys, and and then apparently he has history with uh, the female. Um, I can't remember her name, but is her name is Zian or Zian? Yeah, uh, and she's played by Natalia Tena. I wouldn't know that except for I just pulled up the IMDb because I knew you were going to ask that question. Yeah, and her species I've seen before because I believe that's the same species in Jabba's palace, right? Exactly yeah. right. And and, uh, really... and Ahsoka from the Clone Wars and stuff like that as well. Right. Yeah. So so that was pretty interesting knowing you know that there's. Finally, we're, we're getting to at least, you know, we didn't learn too much about him, but that he's got a little bit of a past and that he has a dark side she alluded to. And, you know, you could tell maybe he's kind of like finding, um, you know, a sense of redeeming himself, you know, with this baby Yoda. And he's he's finding the, the better side of him, you know. Right. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's a struggle that. uh maybe not all of the bounty hunters have, but maybe he especially, you know, he's, it's kind of a, an interesting time in terms of it's after the empire. So the different jobs he takes and everything, it's, you know, he's not having to do all these nefarious things that maybe the empire, you know, was wanting bounty hunters to do or, you know, something of that nature. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting time for him to evolve, but you know, he's still got to make some money, some coin and, um, going in there docking his ship and meeting up with, with this crew was real interesting, but then they all turned on him and seeing him, you know, outsmart them to get out of that jail cell and hunt them down one at a time was really awesome. It turned into almost kind of like a horror type movie, you know, where now all of a sudden he's the predator and they're just like splitting up, not knowing what's going to happen. And there were some pretty, uh, awesome, you know, um, showdowns that he had and he, he ended up killing that one that kind of looked like the devil <laughs> by right smashing him in the door but uh locking them all up was pretty cool and then having that transponder um that uh the guy who basically you know they had to bust out uh her brother and so after doing that you know the the one guy that was you know watching over this whole jail complex if he clicked this thing the rebellion would come in you know and so that's exactly what happened. The rebel Alliance came in with some X fighters and, you know, he took it and, uh, unknowingly, you know, left it with, uh, you know, with the guy who I can't remember his name, but he was in it's, Batman begins again. Thank you. IMDB Ranzar yeah. Malk. Yeah. So Mark Boone jr's character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, that was pretty awesome at the end, seeing the X, X, uh, X wings coming X wings. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, which yeah. was interesting because one of the pilots actually was the uh, director of, I believe, this episode or the last episode. Um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. I, I would not have known all of the weird Easter eggy shit if I hadn't gone and like tried to find it, right? But it was uh, there. There are a lot of really crazy things in here, like um, the one guy. Uh, who was uh, the Republic guard who was looking over the entire complex actually did the voice of Anakin Skywalker in the clone wars TV show. Oh, wow. Um, and then there was, uh, I think the director who's either involved in this or the previous episode actually was someone who created or directed the clone wars TV show where uh, Clancy Brown actually was a big voice actor on that show as well so i think that there was a lot of kind of 
uh, weird, like long-term Star Wars TV incestual stuff going on here. But uh, now it, it's like, that's the kind of crap that I love to learn though. And uh, yeah, it, it's so funny that you mentioned that about the horror movie feel. I, you know, had absolutely been sitting down enjoying a beer and, uh, and watching this show. And I was like, ah, oh, this is pretty, pretty cool heist show. Like I'm, I'm into it. Like I get the plot, you know, everything is good. Every, everybody is, uh, fleshing out, uh, Mando's character just a little bit, not as much as usual. Right. Um, this is, this was not so much like in, uh, it didn't look like as much of an introspective show on its, on its face. Um, but you did learn a little bit about him over time, uh, from other characters naturally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when that, when that, the lights changed and everything mm-hmm. to like kind of the red, like emergency lighting and I, and he got that, uh, he got out of the jail cell. I was like, this is now a horror movie. Like yeah. I'm fully invested in this episode right now. Um, and it was. It, w- it was awesome. I, and, and they didn't lose sight of telling the perspective or telling from the perspective of Mando, which was good. They, they kind of had like one foot in, one foot out on the whole horror movie sto- storytelling aspect of things. Um, they didn't make him look like he was evil, right? Right. Uh, or some like, you know, uh, mo- maleficent character. They were, they were dealing with... Uh, they were dealing with the idea of these other people deserved to get what was coming to them kind of thing. And, uh, and so much of it started to be told from the bad guy's perspective, which hell yes. Every single time that you can get a three dimensional bad guy, uh, do it right. Like there should never be any stone left unturned unless you want to keep the audience guessing when it comes to bad guy storytelling. Right. Yeah. Uh, because that's what gets people invested. Right. Um, that was, uh, that's been apparent to me ever since movies like the Patriot and things like that, you know, where, uh, were, were the, uh, were the British bad because they were British? No, because, you know, like it just on the whole, if you showed a bunch of people in red coats shooting at a bunch of people that weren't in red coats and you didn't know the history of anything, then it would be, just like this subtextless garbage, right? Yeah. But they made you hate those people. <laughs> I mean, like the way they told the whole story, they were like, hey man, uh you're you were supposed to hate every single person who's British and you will never not hate them. And also uh Mel Gibson is not a racist asshole. He's also the best American ever, even <laughs> though he's Australian. Um but yeah it just that kind of storytelling made me really pumped. And um, it's the kind of thing that stuff like we talked about this before movies like justice league completely forego uh, movies like uh, Avengers and game and infinity war fully embrace uh, is the, uh, the actual fleshing out of motivations and background of a bad guy, especially an important bad guy. So this made me really excited to start telling the story from the perspective of the people who had double crossed him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the kind of thing I love to see. And it's, it's really, it's never left too much on the table, right? It always kept me invested. The thing that drives me insane is that there are two <laughs> more freaking episodes on the season, you know, yeah. like, yeah. uh, we've, we've done so much build up, 
you know, we're, we're getting to, to that crescendo point and I haven't felt it yet. And, and I'm not really sure uh, what it makes me a little worried, even though the storytelling has been so good so far that they're going to leave this season on a note where it's kind of like, stay tuned, you know, kind of deal, but they're not really going to tie a whole lot up. Uh, not that they have to. I mean, they've already announced the season two, but I mean, could you imagine if they hadn't done, uh, have they hadn't announced the season two already? Like I, we're getting, we're two episodes left. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it, if there is a plot point to wrap up, I would assume that it needs to start getting kind of in its terminal phase right about now. Right. And I'm, I'm not feeling that, that kind of urgency from the storytelling perspective. So uh, I don't know if this is going to be something where they always knew it was going to be two seasons long and they're going to keep it us waiting. If they're going to have a lot of cliffhangers, if they're going to plan on develop, developing this over, you know, a three season arc and the crescendo and everything will happen towards the end of like season three, which I think is kind of a, you know, that's kind of old school storytelling in a way, which is good and bad. Um, but I mean, like, what do you think about the timing of everything? I mean, we're two episodes left. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, and I think it's good that they do some of these episodes where it's almost kind of like a, you know, lost in space serial of the week of, Okay, here's uh, the other adventures of Mando and you know Baby Yoda, and now right. they're getting into something else, and it gets away from the main plot. Uh, and so that's good because it's informing you more about each character, and especially Mando. But um, yeah, I feel like with two episodes left, they're going to get back to it in a much stronger fashion um, in terms of getting back to the main plot point. You know, um, probably not the the last time that we see, uh, you know, uh, Warner Herzog, uh, and, and seeing him come back. But yeah, I think they're, they'll tie in a bunch of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll probably continue on into the next seasons. Um, and two, uh, the, the one thing about this episode that I liked was the, the jarring of, you know, the sort of trash talking amongst the, the bad guys. And it's just kind of like, you know, it's the same old, same old, you know, and, and, uh, it's kind of like they can't really trust each other, but they work together and, you know, it's just the way it works. But, uh, but what was interesting to me was whenever they were talking to Bill Burr and Bill Burr's character talking about like how he's a sharpshooter or whatever. And then somebody made this comment. Um, I can't remember the exact comment, but they kind of like, uh, equated him to like being sort of like a, a stormtrooper because he used to work for the empire and he turned around, he's like, he, he's like, you know, I wasn't a freaking stormtrooper. And it's funny that they mentioned that because stormtroopers are known to be like the most inaccurate shooters of all time. Like, you know, lasers are flying everywhere, but not the target. <laughs> that I'm so happy that you keyed in on that because when, so I think the exact line was, uh, uh, when Bill Burr said, I'm not a, I'm not, I wasn't a stormtrooper asshole or right. something like that. Yeah. And I like I laughed so hard because that may have been the most like it probably was the most Bill Burr line in the entire show. Yeah, like it, I mean, if you've ever seen his his comedy stuff or uh, F is I think it's F is for Family, um, uh, that animated show, uh, which is actually pretty funny. He uh, he definitely like he doesn't he doesn't shy away from his very like 
rough. Uh, I think I think he's from Boston. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of roots, right? And uh, and so that when he like snaps back with like that, I'm not a stormtrooper asshole kind of comment. I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, that is that is exactly how I want to see Bill Burr as a ex Empire soldier. Um, I actually had to look up what they meant by Empire sharpshooter. Uh, because I, I know the connotations there are obviously like sniping and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but like, you know, because I'm a freaking nerd, like I had to be like, are there any other things back here and, and stuff that I need to know? And it, it's not as fleshed out as you would think. I'm sure there's a guy out there that's done like, you know, tabletop RPG version of Star Wars that will call me one day and tell me how wrong I am about <laughs> that. But in the meantime, uh, there's not a whole lot left to get from that. So it was, he's just not a stormtrooper asshole. Right. Yeah. That's what you know. Um, anything else on the Mandalorian or you want to, you want to press on? Let's press on. So, yeah, uh, let's do it. You know, we're Christmas and the holidays is approaching. And, you know, uh, so again, we've talked a little bit about shopping and all that, but, uh, you know, it's a very, great time of year and, and of course it's like busy as hell for everybody in terms of work uh leading up to it and then shopping and all that but you know it's a great uh time of the year for nostalgia and you know things that uh kind of become tradition as far as you know us being movie snobs or whatever you know what is uh what's something that's like your favorite movie or something to watch uh this time of year for christmas and the holidays okay i'm, I'm going to give you uh, the answer that would have been considered almost hipster about seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. but is now the debate that is at every single forefront of Christmas moviedom every year, and that is Die Hard. Yep. Um, it, could you, like, seriously, back in the day when you used to tell people, uh, you may have not had to deal with this much, but if Die Hard came up in a Christmas context and someone was like, that's not a Christmas movie, and then you, like, slam down whatever you had in your hand and you accuse them of sacrilege um that was fun those were fun times because you were like the weird guy that thought that die hard was a christmas movie now i bet if you pulled most people you would probably get a solid like 75 percent of people in agreement that die hard is a christmas movie oh yeah yeah absolutely uh, I, I don't know when that inflection point happened, but it, it went from being wildly unpopular or indifferent to like everybody just knew it was a Christmas movie. And why did you even ask that question? It's not even fun to ask anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a tradition that uh, friends of mine and I had been doing since God, probably since earlier this decade, I think around like 2010, 2011, where once every year and it was usually the same week. as Is Christmas, it perennium sunning? No. <laughs> okay. The same week of Christmas, uh, we would all get together, you know, get drinks and all that stuff, food, all that, and have a diehard viewing. And, uh, you know, it. We we even did that last year, I believe, uh, going over to my roommate's sister's house and and watching that. And you know, so it's always been a tradition for us to do that. But the other tradition, personally, for me, is I always watch. Uh, you know, National Lampoon's family Christmas, you know, family oh, Christmas vacation. vacation. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And that's always been, which is uh, actually that came out 30 years ago this year. Um, so in, in 1989, that came out. Uh, I actually saw on Instagram, um, Juliette Lewis uh, 
posted a picture of the entire cast and they had a reunion a 30th anniversary reunion at the academy and so all the stars of that movie were there chevy chase and you know everybody was all standing uh next to each other so i thought that was really really awesome but that movie is just priceless yeah it is priceless and if you want to ever um see a exact comparison of people who who aged correctly and uh people who didn't i think that uh like Beverly Beverly D'Angelo uh, versus like Chevy Chase today. <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty stark yeah. comparison. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the best part is, is I don't know what's going on inside of Chevy Chase's brain, uh, but I I do know that if he heard me say that and he was a listener, he probably wouldn't shy away from writing hate mail uh, because that's just kind of somehow the way that. Like, where his brain is at these days like i feel like he's really really takes everything personally and is really hardcore uh about his opinions mm-hmm. and uh i don't know if i ever got that that feeling about him like in the snl days and stuff like that i feel like uh you know age a hold of him like it will get a hold of us all to the point where we're just kind of like people sitting on the front porch you know rocking back and forth yelling at people to get off our lawn yeah. Well, I mean, Chevy, too, much to his credit, he does stay busy. I did see that he's going to be in town uh, performing at, it's now called the theater, but it was known as Verizon Theater uh, over in um, uh, Grand Prairie. And so he's doing a tour and, and I don't know if it's stand up. It's probably partially that kind of like what uh, Steve Martin's done. And, and, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a variety show, but yeah, so he's staying busy, but you know that, that, but that's that's always a movie that has always been close to my heart and watching every year, and, and it's it's just funny, you know, his mannerisms and everything. Uh, but yeah, we got a lot to cover here in the next fifteen minutes. Um, so got got <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah, got a lot of news here. So it was announced that uh, Matrix Four has a release date, which is May twenty first of twenty twenty one, and that's going to be the same release date as John Wick Four. I'm sure. One or the other is probably going to get pushed back for production reasons or whatever. But just to think of both of those movies coming out on the same day is kind of fun to think about. Keanu versus Keanu. And no matter what, Keanu wins. <laughs> right. Isn't that kind of a... I mean, like, if it was um, like the... Uh, oh, God. I mean, just not even Johnny Mnemonic. I'm trying to think of, like, what's that love uh, one that he did, like, The Boathouse or something like Lighthouse. that? Lighthouse? Like, uh, light, yeah. Yeah, if you have like a Keanu Reeves romantic comedy versus uh, Matrix Four, then I see that being a lot more of an easy thing to happen, right? But like, if you have Matrix Four versus John Wick Four, uh, it doesn't that risk parsing your audience? Like, I mean, I mean, it's people who enjoy action. I mean, like, you're starting to get into the uh, like sci-fi versus non-sci-fi. That's a real thin line that you have to draw for for you know like basically just like cutting your money in half and uh and i don't i, don't, I just don't see that i mean it's funny it's it's a great it's a great thing i mean obviously like I, the world is in love with keanu reeves at this very moment so i mean it could be a great reason to do back-to-back screenings kind of thing yeah, but yeah yeah it's just a lot of a lot of uh a lot of studios they don't want to have 
that kind of competition, especially with a you know a single you know triple A product going on at the exact same time as something else that could take your mm-hmm. you know audience and split it like that. So it's as cool of an idea as that is. I could absolutely see this, uh, whether they want to call it something for production reasons or something incidental. I don't think this is going to stay this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't either. I, is, is John Wick, uh, who does that? Is that new line or is that, um, I, I can't remember who is, uh, guys, new, new line even exists anymore. I thought is, it was uh, Lionsgate. Is Lionsgate. Okay. That's what I was thinking. It might of. be. I, I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent. It's, sure. it's not WB is my point right yeah wb's matrix yeah yeah wb would not do this to themselves right so there there is there is bound to be a handshake you know in the next you know six months to get this fixed yeah well and two yeah whatever but yeah two it's like the casting so you know casting hasn't even been announced yet for john wick four so you know just to get uh scheduling wise like people lined up like stuff will get pushed back and i'm pretty sure john wick four is going to be the one that gets pushed back um right next on the docket we got uh the flash gets a release date of july 1st 2022 so ezra miller is going to uh retain the red suit and uh continue running forward uh in time so yeah uh what do you think about this ezra miller is the flash was fine um you know, he, he was, I'm not going to even call him a highlight of Justice League, um, but I think that his his style, his approach to the character does allow him to be the heart of what that team was, which is, that's always the Flash's, you know, part of the team up, is he's the heart of the gang, right? And, uh, and that's fine. I, I think that Ezra Miller would definitely do a fine job at that. I feel like he was probably not really showcased too much in justice league. And I think they expected this to get released a lot faster uh, just because of the bad reactions to justice league and things like that. I think everything is apps like the entire DC extended universe is, is absolutely in disarray. Um, DC has gone on to do their own streaming service uh, to have shows on there that actually have gotten pretty good acclaim. Uh, they just don't necessarily have the, the presence that something like a Disney plus would have. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, like the whole WB connected with, uh, the DC universe and everything like that. That's always been like a really cool, uh, marriage of companies uh, they've leveraged each other really well and i think all of their tv products have really uh been top notch for the most part mm-hmm. um it, you know like just even even at uh, download level stuff or streaming and that kind of thing like they've always they've always put out a, a pretty compelling product uh they the the biggest issue here is do they want to make it part of anything larger or do they want to tell the flash's story in a fun compelling way that isolates it to its own trilogy um because i've i have a feeling and this is my feeling that if you try to tie in other characters in the dc extended universe now 
that you're going to muddle your your chance of really bringing the Flash to a showcased movie that he deserves. Mm-hmm. You're 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 going to tie it down to some product that's not necessarily that good. Uh, I'm not talking about Wonder Woman. Uh, that trailer looked pretty bitching, but it's uh, the the overall experience with you know some of the other other stuff happening in that world yeah i i i kind of feel like with this coming out in 2022 i mean that's a good chunk of time from now i think they primarily have the story written and they'll probably make some changes and modifications along the way but that's enough time to distance itself from what had had been going on in terms of okay now you got a justice league film and now boom 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 here this character gets a film this character gets a film and we're all going to cram it in one year like what marvel's been doing and i think yeah. that uh with them pumping the brakes in terms of reevaluating the dceu and allowing some of these other films to you know once joker came out joker kind of changed everything uh yep. with it being r-rated and now the the highest you know grossing r-rated film of all time um you know, I think that it is basically allowing DC to reevaluate, uh, well, Warner Brothers, uh, really, to reevaluate their DC films and and looking at okay, let's make some darker ones, and then we can get back to the the hamminess and whatever. And they still have some of that, you know, fun, you know, good time laughs and stuff in um, like the upcoming Wonder Woman and and all that stuff that's coming up. I mean, that was evident in the trailer for that. Uh, but I think it's going to be better for them overall to kind of space it out and, uh, you know, allow more ebbs and flows in terms of, you know, the, the serious darker films, like almost like DC Black Label, and then getting back to like stuff that's like kid friendly and PG-13. So uh, we'll see what happens with this, but uh, we'll follow this and report more on developments as that comes out. Uh, yeah, but, casting's not even done yet. We've we've got a uh, yeah. Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad that are also going to be rated R as well, and uh, and I will say this: it makes me feel like w- wouldn't that be funny if they had one or two kind of family friendly uh, DC entities that they were playing off of and everything, but then they had a, almost like a like a Sega Genesis versus Super Nintendo kind of thing going on, where Super Nintendo got a lot more family friendly stuff, which would be like I would consider that like a Marvel kind of deal yep. uh, obviously they have a lot more heavier uh takes on stuff coming up and and end game was a little heavy but uh all everything considered that was a lot more of like a family affair right it's something that more or less you could take like your teenage kids to and uh and i think that'd be really funny if if uh if dc decided that like all of their cinematic universe stuff had to go hard r and it was uh it was going to be like the uh the genesis version of like the like muddy guitar sound like you know stuff going on in the background like all the blood everywhere and yeah. it, it, it like that was uh that was something that was curious to me especially with the, on the coming slate of the birds of prey and the suicide squad stuff so anyway um i wanted to shoehorn that in real quick because i noticed that was uh it's starting to become a theme a little bit yeah, yeah, to let it be R-rated, and, you know, really, Harley Quinn is an R-rated character. Like, there's, you know, it's it's not something that is family-friendly, especially if you read it in the comics, and there's even an animated uh, series going on right now that is for mature audiences with Harley Quinn. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's the right move for DC to do this, so that way they don't restrict themselves, and they can really allow these directors and people with the vision of 
what it is in the comics and and really making it you know a, a true depiction on film um but yeah. Another thing, uh, another sense of news here is uh, Ace Ventura 3 has been announced to be ready to go, uh, and they're waiting on Jim Carrey's final approval to begin production. Uh, Jim Carrey will uh, reprise his role, if all goes to plan, as Ace Ventura. Um, So the last film that we got was When Nature Calls, which was my absolute favorite one. (laughs) Just so much (laughs) hilariosity in it. So there is a lot of, uh, comparison. Like you could do a real hard take on when nature calls versus pet detective. Yeah. Right. I think that if one, if someone picked one versus the other, you can't really fault them for that. I obviously saw when nature called, like it was right about the time when that was like my maturity level was an all time low. So (laughs) I went, all into it um that the part where he's climbing out of that robotic rhino's ass may be one of my favorite parts of any movie of all time yes Um, yeah that's that's like seared into my brain um but yeah like there's a lot of that movie that yeah (laughs) there's a lot of that movie that like really stuck out to me is is fun um i i will never forget the nfl tie-in on the first one that i loved so much uh, and then the the whole thing was like Finkel is Ihorn, Ihorn is Finkel. Yeah. Uh, talk about your your top ten things you can't get away of with today. Um, but I would like to see uh, I would like to see Jim Carrey uh, do more Jim Carrey things, and I think that he probably hasn't changed even as he's grown up. So that would be a lot of fun to see. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm 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 ex- I'm expecting good stuff. What about you? I mean, are you even looking forward to this? Or are you like, I don't want to do this anymore? I am, but with with careful reservations. Like it's the thing is, like you know, to me, Dumb and Dumber is like one of the best comedies of all time, right? Uh, right. I would put Ace Ventura to up there in terms of like moments of you know comedy that have stayed with me um, even up to now. And, uh, the, the thing is though, it's just looking at the sequel, you know, looking at dumb and dumber two, that, that was such a big letdown for me. Um, and you know, and I was, I was careful going into that. I didn't have like huge expectations, you know, I just wanted it to be, if it was anywhere like halfway as good, you know, then, then it'd be all right. But, um, but anytime you're, you're looking at doing a sequel so many decades later, like, of course the stakes are high and, and expectations are up there and there's just no way to get around that. So with Ace Ventura three, you know, I'm really hoping that this is a return to form for Jim Carrey. Um, I know he's gone through a lot of stuff in his personal life and, you know, he himself is really starting to like age and some of that could just be stuff behind the scenes of whatever he's been dealing with. But, uh, you know, I, I think everybody would enjoy seeing him come back to do that because, I mean, he's taking on roles like, you know, he's going to be in Sonic the Hedgehog, and I don't know how that's going to turn out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I, I think everybody's wanting, everybody's still feeling that nostalgia thing because, you know, the the next couple of things we're about to talk about involves all that nostalgia. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping it's good, but I'm going to be, you know, careful to really get my expectations up there. But speaking of nostalgia, Top Gun Maverick, uh, we're getting a new trailer tomorrow. Um, Tom Cruise posted on Instagram today uh, the new uh, official movie poster. So he's standing on what looks like, you know, like a Spitfire uh, plane. Uh, 
and then that's, you, it might, it's probably like a p51 or yeah, something P-51, I, I, can't, I couldn't really tell something yeah. like that and you see the two jets flying off in the distance um so it i like the the poster a lot and i'm really looking forward to seeing this trailer i think it's i think these trailers whoever's you know uh in in charge of that the first one was really amazing and i i think i'm really expecting this one to blow me away as well yeah, I agree with that. Uh, they they did a lot of great cuts in the first one and, and got you invested from a sizzle reel standpoint. And that's what the first trailer is supposed to do. It's supposed to grab your attention. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I will I will circle back briefly because I know we're almost out of time. And I will say we need to have a conversation at some point, I believe, about uh, long gestating sequels mm-hmm. and the the prop how forgiving things are when it's like a, a property like tron versus a comedy like dumb and dumber right like the the kind of like rabid fan bases that exist for all these different kinds of films that dictated that they had to have a sequel later in life and and how forgiving those fan bases are for different types of films because i think i do feel like they're probably different from a comedy standpoint to a uh like an action standpoint to a sci-fi standpoint things like that but, uh, yeah, I think that'd be a great conversation to have. Yeah, I, I will say that Top Gun uh, looks freaking awesome, and I am absolutely going to go see that. Uh, I'm sure that Mountain Girlfriend is looking forward to another volleyball scene, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to have a great time. Uh, we also have another movie that had a trailer drop recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to talk about this. Uh, we probably won't get to the full thing about it today, but I will say... Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, talk about a polarizing trailer. Uh, I bo- mostly from content, not necessarily from how good the trailer was, because I will say from the cutting of a trailer perspective, it had me hooked from the very beginning. Yep. And uh, it, it, there's a lot of angst over this because of uh, who's involved with it, uh, ignoring the previous Ghostbusters film and that kind of deal. So there's a lot to unpack here over time, and we will. But the uh, the main thing about the trailer that stuck out to me was that it clearly appreciates its source material, um, and it doesn't try to make it something that it's not. And that's not me saying that the last film that came out uh, with the female leads did that in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying that this specifically looks like it's very grounded in whatever mythology you know ghostbusters has to offer yeah agreed because you see the 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 old like news footage of them you know walk around the city and they they allude to well the last time this happened was you know new york city and it was like there are ghosts everywhere and seeing paul rudd you know being involved and I'm guessing he's a science teacher. That's just my guess. That's, that's, that's my guess. Yeah. How he relates to these kids. And then you see these kids and they happen to be the children of Egon. And mm-hmm. I think that this is a awesome uh, way to honor his memory of yep. tying him in that, he, that Harold Ramis is no longer around uh, and that, you know, these children have all this stuff and it's, you know, having the old, you know, Ghostbusters mobile that they had and um, the, different contraptions they had you know uh i i I really liked seeing that in the trailer um and one thing too is you know this is the teaser trailer for it so uh it's hard to like keep everything in mind with that but that's why you don't see 
the other original actors. But you know, on IMD's cast, you you do see the the cast lineup. You you see the original stars coming back: uh, Ernie Hudson, Dan Aykroyd, everybody. So it's it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, and I will say, like Ramis was uh, Ramis's kid. Uh, I think it's Ben. Anyway, the uh, his his kid was the only one that really had the vision and the standing to get all of this original cast back together. Uh, because I think they've been talking about this crap for since oh, the yeah. second one got made and no one committed to it. Uh, that's well, not saying that Harold is the reason that they couldn't do it. Bill Murray is a big part of it too. Bill he Murray is a big part of it. was dragging yeah. his feet. And now uh, from what I heard, he got involved in helping write this because he wanted it to be good like I, I as don't long think as dan Aykroyd and... didn't write it i think we'll be safe <laughs> well dan Aykroyd is the main reason why ghostbusters even took off because his family was very involved in terms of like you know seances and you know that the afterlife and and hauntings and he himself has has even talked about on joe rogan and a few other places that he's had experience with hauntings so all this stuff like the ooze and you know all this all this other stuff right. Uh, or not the ooze, but ectoplasm, you know, all that stuff is stuff that came out of his brain. You know? Yeah, so, exactly. So he has like, a good uh, part of it, but, you know, he might not be the best in terms of, like, writing storyboards. And, you know, so I think everybody kind of teamed up together. But the one thing that I'm going to mention is that that I really nerded out about, I, I read up on and didn't know this until I saw the trailer and reading up on who the director is. The director for this film is the son of the director of the very first Ghostbusters. Right. So that I, just kind I, yeah. of like I nerded out when I read that. I'm like, this is just too cool. So Yeah, they're keep they're keeping the family. It's kind of a cool idea. Um I, I like I like where this is all going, uh, to be sure. Um and and yeah, I mean it's easy to rag on Dan Aykroyd um because of all of the crazy stuff that he says, but in general he is he is a creative force to be reckoned with and all it takes to make a good movie is to bring all of the insane stuff that comes from his brain and put it through the filter of a very good writer. Right. And exactly. uh, people have seen that over and over and over again with all of the, like the country's favorite movies, you know, for like cult, cult classic movies that existed when, when he did stuff Saturday Live, like uh, blues brothers, uh, ghostbusters, all of that. You know, I mean, like he he has so much, so many stories to tell that you need someone to basically funnel that down into a digestible, you know, size. And uh, and so, yeah, I think I think that there's no question that he will be involved in some way. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Yep. And then uh, quickly, you know, going into stuff that is horror related, uh, you know, there is, of course, another remake of The Grudge. Uh, the original was Juwan, and then you had the remake with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, right. And so finally, like, we had a trailer come out for it, but now we have a Red Band trailer that came out for it that offers a little bit different insight, and it, it doesn't look like your your typical beat-for-beat beat, uh, remake. Um, and this had a lot more R-rated elements in it. Uh, but uh, the, the trailer starts off the detective doing sort of a, uh, a house call, checking up on, on this woman who's living there. 
who, uh, of course, is played by the wonderful actress uh, who was in the Insidious films. I'm trying to remember her name at this point. Um, but uh, she does a house call, and you come find out she's covered in blood, and you see what I guess is her husband, and his face is just totally ripped apart, like, and yeah. maggots and stuff sitting in, on the recliner in front of the TV. And then she lets out this horrible shriek. Uh, right. This actress is just, oh, man. But No, it, it's awesome. I mean, like, as far as horror, horror trailers are concerned, I, certainly, guys, gals, if you have children and they're like, oh, let's click on this trailer and watch it together, if it's a Red Band trailer, just don't do it. Um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, if you haven't put that together yet and you're listening to this podcast, just don't do it. Uh, this specifically is one of those trailers where i knew it was a red band trailer and i and i can enjoy certain aspects of horror and stuff like that but i was like shocked like this was in your face yeah and it it did a really good job of setting the tone of the horror movie and separating itself from previous iterations and stuff like that there are some moments i thought that were kind of funny um uh mainly the the noise the woman made when they knocked on the door uh, at the very beginning of it, mm-hmm. it uh, it remind. Do you ever see the the show Frisky Dingo? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like so, Simon who mumbles through everything. Yep. You know that that was the kind of sound that I heard <laughs> <laughs> when when he died. I was like, rrr, 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 rrr. I was like, what what the hell is going on in here? And uh, that is the only funny part of the trailer because the rest of it is gruesome. But yeah. it is uh, it is awesome. That actress's name, by the way, is Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay. Yep. That's right. Yeah, yep. she she's is. awesome. She is very, very prevalent, very famous. But I liked, uh, I really liked Juon, and and I actually didn't mind the uh, remake with Sarah Michelle Gellar that came out. That was really, really freaky. And uh, as far as like horror movies goes, uh, The Grudge is definitely up there for me. So really looking forward to this, but hopefully they don't let me down. Uh, and then uh, finally, there was a, a final trailer that came out for this another sort of horror movie called Antlers, um, which also looks. Uh, it, it looks very Stephen Kingish to me. Uh, it does, yeah. I definitely got that vibe when I was watching it, and not necessarily Stephen Kingish from a, from even a novel standpoint, but a lot of his movie adaptations, uh, kind of get this this more or less treatment the the kind of like mythology and stuff like that. It definitely gave me the feeling that they were going to spend a lot of time, uh, almost like Godzilla remake style, where they're going to d- be ramping things up at like a eighty percent level you know, all the way through the film and then getting to that last 20% and just cramming the horror elements down your throat, which I actually kind of enjoy the slow burn type of storytelling that happens in those kinds of movies. Um, it, to me, there's, if there's a psychological thriller kind of element to a lot of horror, that captures me a lot more than uh, here's more blood. So it's, it's really, think, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I just, I found it to be something that I had avoided watching the trailer for um, until you told me about it. And then when I saw it, I was kind of like, damn, that actually looks like it's going to be a pretty uh, well-paced, put-together movie. And of course, I think it's got Carrie Russell in it and stuff like that. So, you know, she can carry a movie. It's, it's going to be good. Yeah, what's interesting too, that because I was like, you know, this this looks like it's shot really, really well. It's directed by Scott Cooper, and so right. I I followed Scott Cooper's films. His first one he directed was Crazy Heart, uh, which was mm-hmm. awesome. And then you know you had Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale, which was really good. Black Mass, 
and then Hostels with Christian Bale. That's the one that takes place uh, between certain uh, Native American tribes, and then um, you know Christian Bale is is part of uh, like the I think he's part of the North, uh, but it's it's right after the Civil War era, sort of like out there in the you know sort of Red Dead you know time period. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that now he's doing this sci-fi sort of horror film, but the guy's a damn good director. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, and Carrie Russell is one of my favorite actresses working today. Loved her on the Americans, pretty much love her in anything that she, she works on. So the fact that she's one of the main stars in this film and then seeing Jesse uh, Plemons come in out of nowhere is interesting Uh, too. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, I've seen him, everybody's seen him of course on, uh, you know, breaking bad. And then he, uh, also was in Fargo season two, um, and then most recently, you know, the Breaking Bad film, and then uh, as well as uh, the film that came out on Netflix, which is The Irishman. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting seeing him, um, you know, portray sort of, I guess, this sheriff or police officer that's that's trying to figure out what's going on in this town. Yeah, I trust uh, I trust this director to do this in a way that I haven't seen before. Uh, or if he does it in a way that I actually like have seen, yeah, it's not going to be like a, uh, it doesn't seem to me that it would be like one big homage fest, right? Like right. he, he has a lot of creativity. He has a lot of stuff to bring to the table. He always has. And, uh, and I think that he'll actually have a pretty fresh take on how to tell a horror story. And this is a pretty good script to, for him to, to bank off of because, it does have a lot of elements that have been done before, but it doesn't seem that they've, they've always kind of like squeezed the balloon in one way or the other. Like, Oh, we were going heavy mythology. Oh, we're going heavy slasher. This seems to give, at least in the trailer, because I haven't had the privilege of seeing this yet. Cause it's not released the, the kind of, uh, an equal amount of screen time an equal amount of due to all of the important horror elements that you would find in this to give it kind of a more grounded feel to it. And, uh, and there are a couple of really sweet lines in this trailer that, and like, you know, really cool moments. They're like that. That's going to scare the pants off of me. It's not going to be like a shock horror thing. I don't think it's going to be a little bit more cerebral, which is exactly what I enjoy. Yeah. Same here. So really looking forward to that. Well, that's the end of our show today. We covered quite a bit of stuff. Look forward to next week's episode of radio. We're going to go pretty heavy into Christmas time and the holidays and you know what it means to us. And we'll come up with some, uh, some fun special things we'll discuss there on that episode. I'll hijack it and talk mostly about Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And probably talk about Christmas past, you know, what it means to us as a kid, to what it is now. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to Sensibly Loud Radio. Definitely want to thank our main man, Justin, out there. Uh, if you're out there listening, thank you so much for continuing to put up with our ramblings and Carl's ever awesome ad reads for Audible. Uh, <laughs> uh, please don't fire me is what he's saying. <laughs> Yeah, but we try to have fun. So uh, if you guys want to check us out on the interwebs, you can check us out on Instagram as well as Twitter at Sensibly Loud, Facebook at Sensibly Loud Media. Uh, But again, thank you guys for listening and catch you next week on Sensibly Loud Radio.